morning in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3 as we continue our series this morning on Born to Give. And this morning I've titled this particular portion of our series, um, The Born Imperative. And I want you to understand why we do this each year. And as we have been thinking about what God is doing on the earth and talking about uh, the powerful gift that is Christmas to us, as last week we discussed, discovered and, and talked about in great length, is that Christmas is not a holiday. Can you say it with me? Christmas is not a holiday. Christmas is an advent. And it's just like the world to take an advent, to take something very powerful and turn it into something very meaningless, very uh, materialistic, very shallow. But for you and I who are born-again believers and who, who understand the power of the gift of a baby born in a manger, we realize this, that from Genesis to the opening of the book of Acts, and from the opening to the book of Acts, to the last two chapters in your Bible in Revelation, what we see is that it has always been God's desire to be with us. Somebody say amen. From Genesis, when God would walk with Adam every evening, to the opening book of Acts, where God poured out His Spirit to live and dwell inside of man. Until the last two chapters of the book of Revelation where God says that he's going to totally reconstruct all of the cosmos to be with us. Now that might shock you. That might, you might think, God's going to do what? In the last two chapters of your Bible, the Bible instructs us so much that God wants to be with us so much that he has to redesign all of cosmos in order to do it. The Bible says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Can you say amen? And I taught last week on the fact that there will be no more oceans. And I think it was Allison saying, why would God do that? Well, I love the ocean. God gave me love for the ocean and the beach. The Bible also says that we won't remember the things of the past. That God will reconstruct everything to be with us forever and ever and ever. And this morning, you and I have come to a point in understanding the Scripture through this series that Christ was born, that we have an imperative. Now, let me give you Pastor Don's definition of an imperative. Are you ready? An imperative is, uh, is something of vital importance. It's critical. It's crucial. It's urgent. It's essential. And it's necessary. Someone say, I have an imperative. All right, someone help me out again. Y'all with me? I have an imperative. Say it with me. I have an imperative. It's necessary. We've been, we, we've been born to give. And so it is an imperative that we take what God has given us and we give it away. The question I want to ask you this morning as we get settled into this is what has God placed on the inside of you? And whatever that is, it is crucial, it is critical, it is urgent, it is necessary, it is absolutely essential that you take that to the world and give it to other people. Can I say this to you? This is going to be a shocker. Buckle your seatbelt. It'll be a great revelation. You probably never, ever, ever would have got it if you didn't come here to church this morning. Let me help you out. Are you ready? Gifts are meant to be given. Hello, somebody. Jesus Christ was a gift to us. And he was born to give. And now that he lives inside of us, we are born to give. We are to be just like you. You are never more like God than when you're a giver. Hello, church. And gifts are meant to be given away. Gifts are meant to be given to meet someone's needs. And so it's of the highest importance that we are givers, that we think giving during Christmas time. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Are you ready? I say, are you ready? Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth. Now does everybody understand this man has never walked? A man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful. Some of you will get that in a little bit. 
They laid him there at the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Pray with me. Father, this morning, thank you for the wonderful, wonderful service we've had so far. God, I want to say thank you for our children. Thank you, God, that you have caused a deep desire in them to follow you, to want to be here in church, God, to want to minister. God, I thank you, Lord, for this service this morning and this word. And I ask today, God, that as we sit in your presence, that, Lord, you bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. What we just read this morning, we think, wow, that's a far off distant place. That's way off in the history. That's way back in the past. It's not for today. But it's not uncommon for you to drive around a city and see people begging. How many of you ever been to a, a red light in Kalamazoo and you've seen a sign that says, need help or we'll work for food or, right? Homeless. Maybe you've walked into a Walmart and you've seen a person sitting there next to there with a sign similar to that. It's, it's not unusual. What we read right here is not any different than what we may see today. Obviously, this morning, there was probably no one sitting outside the front doors of the church with a sign that said, need help. But it's not unusual. Verse 4 says this, Peter looked straight at him, and did, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Now watch Peter and John. Watch Peter and John here. They embraced the situation. Now how many of you have ever been in a situation, maybe some of this made you uncomfortable? You're just looking for the back door. You're looking for a way out. You're looking for around the corner. It just made you uncomfortable. See, they didn't ignore that this man was in their way. They didn't ignore the fact that he, he was in dire straits, that he needed help. I love this story because the Bible says, in, in my own mind, I see it playing out. The Bible says he looked at Peter and John. And it's almost like when Peter said, look at us, it's almost like he says, huh, who, me? Are you going to give me something with anticipation, with expectation? He looked at them, and here's what happened. Peter and John triggered faith in the man that he didn't even know he had. They triggered something inside of him. Faith. Now, what is faith? It's easy. It's expecting and anticipating. It's having hope. It's giving, it's giving literally substance to hope. The Bible says now faith is the evidence. Hello? Of things hoped for. The evidence. In the Greek, the word literally means title, deed, proof of ownership. I own my truck. It belongs to me. I have a title to it. It's got my name on it. And so if the repo man shows up and says, hey, I'm repoing your truck. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, I don't think so. It belongs to me. He's going to say, what's your proof? And I'm going to show him my title, deed. Hello, church. See, faith, church, is your title deed. It's the evidence of things hoped for. And every one of us in this room this morning, everyone listening, everyone out there, praise God, you've got something you've hoped for. Come on, church. Faith is our evidence in that. And now I can see it. I can see Peter and John as they walk by this guy. He's been there every time they've gone before. He's been there all his life. He's been, he's been lame from birth. His legs have never, ever worked. Some 40 years he's probably sat there. And like everybody knows him. He's always been there. He's always been begging. And he probably knew those who were going to give to him and those who weren't. Like everybody knows Jerry. Jerry's always been there. He sits by the gate called beautiful. You'll get that later. Peter and John have gone there before to pray. They've been there before. They've passed Jerry. His name's not Jerry. I'm just making it up. You'll be all right. Jerry was like, it wasn't me. (laughs) 
They've passed by Jerry day in and day out. But today something's different. Today is, is different than all the other times that they passed by Jerry. Why? What's different about today? Well, in Acts chapter 2, something different happens, church. The Spirit of God came and it filled their lives. And they were different. You see, here's the deal. When Jesus comes to live in his church, we're different. We see the world different than we saw it before Jesus lived inside of us. Are you with me? See, the church cannot continue to act and, and treat the world around us like Jesus wasn't born. He was born. And it's our job to look at the world different now that Jesus is born and that he was born to give. And now that he's come to live inside of us. They have the ability to pray and to communicate with God in a heavenly language. Uh, they, they've, been, they've been endued with power. And this time, they see Jerry at the gate. And he says, hey, do you have anything? Can you see Peter and John? Like, if it's, if it's my book and I'm writing, I'm like, you know, I could see Peter and John. Like, no, I left my wallet in the car. Hello, somebody. I don't have anything to give Jerry. And Jerry's going to be there. I left my wallet in the car. And Peter goes, hey, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember, remember what Jesus said? Jesus said we could do the same things that he did. He said we have authority in his name. He said that we could lay hands on the sick and they would recover. He said, he said we could go to all the worlds. Let's give it a shot. I think that's the way they approached it. Because keep reading. Verse 6 says, then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk! Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, can you say instantly? Now here's a man who's never walked. Here's a man who's never learned to balance on two legs. Here's a man who's never ever taken a step. Can you imagine? Hello church. How many of you, how many of you can remember, even though you learned to walk the first time you put on a pair of roller skates or an ice skates? Right? It's like all of a sudden you can't walk anymore. What happens? You've got to learn to balance on them. And so this man, it's, the Bible says immediately the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. There's no, there's no therapy session here, church. There's no, oh, we've got to make the muscles restored. There's no, oh, we've got to teach you how to walk. This is a miracle of miracles. Because the brain was able to communicate to his legs. And instantly he balanced. And instantly he was stable. So stable, the Bible says, he went leaping and running. And then verse 9 says, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as this. Everybody knew Jerry. They recognized him as the same who used to sit begging at the temple at the gate called Beautiful. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, to me, it's pretty cool. Because, see, Christmas time to me is, is so amazing because this sense of awe comes over our lives. This sense of steel, this sense of peace, this sense of hope. Silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have, I give unto thee, rise and walk. See, this born-to-give lifestyle church, we've got to learn what it looks like. We've got to know what it looks like. Because, see, too many times we're assimilating the word and, and, and we're not walking it out. Money's a small fraction of this story. Hello, church. Do you understand that money really in mind in your life and the world that we live in, it's a small fraction of the things that are really going on in the world. So here's what I want you to see. First, what we got to do as we look around to this is we've got to assess the situation. We've got to think about what Jesus is doing here on the earth as he has empowered his disciples and us. What needs to take place? What's the real need? See, the guys, this guy sitting at the gate thought he needed money. But what he really needed was his legs to function. He thought he needed money, but what he really needed was his legs to function. So many times we are so quick to assume 
Oh, here's what you need. And it's not really their problem. Can I help the men out in church this morning? Ladies, is that all right if I help your husbands? Come on, help me out, ladies. You want me to help them? All right, I'm going to help them. When you come home, guys, and your wife's crying, it's probably never happened to anyone in the room but me. And your wife's saying, you're like, okay, what happened? And, she, and your wife's just like, oh, I'm so frustrated. I don't know what to do. I just don't know what the answer is. And you know us guys. You know how we are, right? We just fix it, right? Just tell me what the problem is, and I'll just fix it. I'll just get, I'll just give me, tell me what the problem is, and I'll go fix it. Give me the facts, ma'am, and I'll fix it. That's all I need is the facts. Just give me the facts. What did the kids do this time? Because guys, we just fix it, right? So when our wife's so upset, so frustrated, when they're going through something, and we go up to them, we just go, just, just give me the facts. Tell me what happened. We act like the police officer shows up at a crime scene. Just the facts. Give me the facts. Can you write a statement down for me? I'm going to put this in my report. I'm going to go arrest somebody. Oftentimes when I've asked my wife, just what's wrong? Yeah, guys, you ever ask your wife what's wrong? And she says, I don't know. I mean, it's like, can I go back out the door? Can we start this over? All this emotion. You know what she's saying? She's not really saying, I don't know what to do. We, we want to say this. We want to assess the situation. We want to try and fix the problem. We want to give her an answer or a solution. That's not her need. Her need in that moment is what? Guys, let me help you. It's comfort. It's comfort. We're the, we're, the, we're the fix-it guys, right? They're the comfort people. And so what happens is, in this aspect, what I've learned is that sometimes all my wife needs, more than an answer, is a hug. It's just comfort. It'll be all right. We'll kill them together later. Yeah. <laughs> Sympathy. I don't really understand, but I know you're frustrated. Come here, let's, 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 let's stay here and understand. That's it, men, we're going. Here, here we are. Really, that fixes it? Yes. Sometimes my wife literally will come to me and I'll go, look, I don't need an answer, and I definitely don't need you to fix something, okay? I just want to share something with you. Assessing the situation. Then I learn that, look, all she wants to do, right, is just relieve a little tension, and I happen to be the pillow, And all of a sudden, it fixes it. And the kids don't have to die and meet Jesus. You've got to assess the situation. Oftentimes in our life, we've got to assess what's going on. What's the real need in the world around us? It's not government, church. It's not more money, church. Are you with me? Hello, somebody. It's not politics, church. Are you with me, church? It's not a better job or a better promotion, right? It's not a, be- it's not a better marriage. You've got the marriage you can have, the marriage you want. And listen, it's not better kids. Please don't kill your kids today. The answer is Jesus. We've got to assess the situation. We've got to look at the world around us and what's going on. And we can, we can elect politicians. And how many of you know we're still going to have government problems? Because government is never designed to fix the problem. Government doesn't fix the world. If so, it would have already been fixed. We should do our job. We should be involved. Yes. With a biblical perspective. Knowing that the real answer is Jesus. So we've got to assess the situation. What's going on in our community? You know what our community needs more than money? They need, a, they need Jesus. You know what our community needs more than entitlements? They need Jesus. You know what our community needs more than all the things we think it needs? It needs Jesus. And there's only certain people in the community who have that gift to give it. And a gift was meant to be given away. Shame on the church for hoarding Jesus. Take an inventory. Take an inventory. See, do you, do you know somebody who, could, who, who, who has a situation that you can help in? 
Well, you think, maybe I don't have the gift. Maybe I don't have the talent to, to assist in that, but I know somebody who does. Look at verse 6. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. See, Peter and John said this. Listen to this. We don't have what you're requesting. But what we do have, we're going to give freely. Hello, church. So let me help you identify what are some of the giftings and talents and abilities that God's placed in the inside of you. So here's a couple of questions for you to think about during this Christmas time when you're thinking about giving. What comes natural to you that others struggle with? What comes natural to you that others struggle with? Think about that. When you look at the forest of your life, what trees stand the tallest? What comes natural that you might be, that might be awkward for other people when you receive compliments? Is there a general theme or repetitiveness inside of the things that people continue to compliment you on? That there, my friends, that there, church, is a gift. It's something on the inside of you that God is looking to raise up and give away. It's an imperative. Make a note of what God has birthed inside of you because God intends to give it away. Romans chapter 11, verse 29 says, for, for the gift of God. Are you ready? Listen, for, the, for God's gifts and his callings are irrevocable. Now that's power. For the gifts of God and his callings are irrevocable. God has gifts for us. And then we can, we can think about this in other translations. If it's okay with you this morning. If I do that. Look at this. One translation says God does not take back the gifts he has given. Or forget about people he has chosen. Here's another one. God never changes his mind about the people he calls. He never decides to take back the blessing he has given them. Okay, here's, the, here, here's one. For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. He will never go back on his promises. Okay, here's the naughty one. Here's the naughty one. Are you ready? The message. I love this. God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. Never canceled. Never rescinded. Man, that's good. God has given you a gift, and he's not recalling it. It's under full warranty, church, and it's warranted by the best guarantor in the world. His name is Jesus. Glory to God. He's given us a gift to give away. So we can never say, I don't have anything to give. I was praying this week, and I was putting some thoughts down uh, together on, on paper and just typing and scrapping and typing and deleting and erasing. And, and, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me, and I feel like this is what he said. I want to speak to you personally right here, and I want you to take it personally because there are some of you here that think you've gone too far. It's too late. You've pushed it aside. You've just, you've just wrote it out, and you've, you've put it aside, and, and it's, it's gone. It's too late to recoup it now. Like there was a gift there one time, but I pushed it aside. I ignored it and I've done away with it. And it's too late now. It's too late. And what God is saying here in this scripture in Romans, if you look at it, is the gifts and callings that he places inside of you, church. He will never take back. They're still there and he plans on using them for his glory and his honor. Jesus was a gift given to us at Christmas so that we would understand that God does not take back his gifts, church. God called us to operate in our gifts, to function in them, to walk in them. God's favor in his hands and his giftings are still on you. You can receive that as a prophetic word this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 11 through 12. Are you ready? Watch this. Now finish the work so that your you eagerly, your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. Wow. According to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to one who has given it, according to the one who does not. Do you know what shuts down our gifts, church? It's the sin of comparison. And we all do it. We all do it. 
Do you, do you know what that shuts it? Say, I'm a public speaker. Hello, somebody. You probably didn't know that. I don't work on cars. I don't build houses. I like to keep my salvation. If I work on a car, it's going to be close. The challenge when I was ordained was to be a communicator of the word of God. And I've worked that way. I've, 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 I've studied and I've worked and I've studied and I've worked. But I'm always thinking. I'm always thinking when I hear a guy like Matt Chandler preach. I go, man, I want to preach like that guy. Right? When I hear a guy like Jesse Duplantis, I think, man, I wish I could be as funny as that guy. When I hear a guy like Rod Parsley, I wish I, wish I had mastered the, the English adjectives like that guy. Like he can make you see the color green. Like when I watch T.D. Jakes preach, I go, man, I wish I could sweat like that guy. You see all these magnificent speakers and they get up and they share from the word of God. And they never look down at their notes. I think there's got to be a teleprompter somewhere. And it's like turning on a faucet with them. And it flows as easy as water flows out of a faucet. And I think, man, I want to preach like that guy. What is God saying? God is saying, take what you have. Take what God has given you. Don't compare it to what others have. Don't compare it to what others are doing. Take what I've given you and give that away. Verse 12 in 1 Corinthians, it says this. It doesn't matter how much you have. What matters is how much you're willing to give from what you do have. Just be willing to share, church. We tend to look at our inabilities. We tend to look at our insecurities. We tend to look at the things and the ways that we fall short. God is saying, take what I've placed inside of you and begin to plant that, begin to help others, begin to cultivate your gift. Romans chapter 4 says, For just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ... Though many, we form one body and each member belonging to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We've got to cultivate our gift. It's not enough to just have a gift in your life, church. But you've got to cultivate it. All the farmers here in our church, come springtime, they're going to have seed. And a lot of seed. But they're thinking about harvest time when they get the seed. And they're thinking what? It's great to have the seed. But we've got to cultivate the land in order that we might have more seed. And so they can't just sit on the seed and going, wow, look at all the seed we have. Why? Because we want to harvest. How many of you want to harvest? Come on, listen, I said, how many of you want to harvest? You got family members that aren't saved. You got friends that aren't saved. Hello, church, you got acquaintances that aren't saved. You got coworkers that aren't saved. You got neighbors that aren't saved. How many of you want to harvest? You can't sit on the seed. You've got to cultivate. It's Christmas time, and God has called us to be givers. We've got to plow the ground. We've got to plant the seed. We've got to fertilize it. We've got to cultivate it. It's got to bear gifts, church. Paul wrote to Timothy. He said this. Are you ready? He says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of the Scripture. This is what Paul told Timothy. He said, this is what I want you to do. You've got a gift, Timothy. You have an amazing gift to read the Scripture and expound on it. He said, I want you to devote yourself to the public reading of the Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift. Now, Timothy could have said, well, I'm not as good as preacher as Paul. Right? I mean, Timothy could get up at every sermon and say, man, I wish Paul was here. He could share it with you so much better. Paul was saying, no, 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 Timothy. That's not what I want you to do. 
That is not. You're gifted, Timothy. God has placed something inside of you. Don't neglect the gift that's placed inside of you. He says this. Look, he goes on to say, It was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. See, we've got to cultivate gifts. That's exactly what we do here. When Eddie finds someone who's got a music ability, he brings them up and he says, let's work on this. Let's work on this. Right? Let's work on this. When as elders we see someone who has a serving ability, sometimes we go to him and say, have you thought about joining the usher team? Have you thought about getting involved in those areas? When we see young men who step up and they have an ability to teach and they need some teaching and some training in that, what we want to do is help cultivate those gifts so we can plant out churches. You know what frustrates me? As a people person, like I'm the people person, my wife says, you're the people person, I'm really not the people person. You walk in a room and you're like a puppy, you just want to lick everybody. She says, I'm not licking everybody, Don. Just not, I can't lick everybody. You know what frustrates me as a people person? Are you ready? I look at people and I see raw talent, the raw gift that's there, and they never take what God has given them and cultivate it. They never develop it. They never grow in it. They never expand it. Look what verse 13 says in Acts chapter 4. Are you ready? It says this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. These men were brought before the Sanhedrin and they were criticized for doing miracles. Like the religious group. The people who believe in God. The people who are supposed to promote God. See God doing a miracle and they bring him before there. They sit him down and then they begin to look at him and say, this is, uh, this is odd because like you guys don't have any education. And they talk to each other and they said, what is different about these guys? They're not educated like us yet. God is doing miracles by their hands. And somebody steps up and says, yeah, I saw him with Jesus. Really? Yeah, they used to hang out with him. They took note. You know what? It's a good thing when your family takes note that you've been with Jesus. It's a good thing when your neighbors take note that you've been with Jesus. Come on, church. It's a good thing when your friends take note that you've been with Jesus. Why? Because they're seeing something not of you and of yourself. They're seeing something of the Lord himself. And that's what we want them to see. It's a good thing. Can I bless you? Buckle your seatbelt again. I'm going to shock you. Here's a, here's a heavy. It's really heavy for you. You want to know how to cultivate your gift? Spend time with the giver. So that's soak in like a little rain here. You want to cultivate the gift? Somebody said, how do we cultivate it? What do I do? Man, Pastor Don, I can't preach like you. Man, I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't teach Sunday school. I don't know the word of God. You know how you cultivate your gift? Spend time with the giver. Like when you get a gift from Christmas, Right? And someone has blessed you. Like it's just out of the blue. You didn't even expect it. And you, you think about this person. You think, wow, I need to go see this person. I need to tell them thank you, right? You want to spend time with the giver. Hello, church. Spending time with the giver helps cultivate the gift. Why? Because he's the one who gave it. How many of you know he knows how it works? He probably wrote the instruction manual on it. Hello, church. Spend time with Jesus and let him grow those things that he put inside of you if you want to touch a lost and dying world for him. Never allow fear to hinder your gift. Well, when I first started preaching, man, my, my, my palms would sweat so bad. And they still do, not as bad as they used to. And I used to, while I was preaching, I used to rub my hands on my pants all the time. You ever had your palms sweat? You know, you can't wipe it off. It's like, Right? My wife, she used to tell me after church, she's like, stop doing that. I can't. I'm nervous. 
And so one day she handed me a handkerchief. She said, here, hold on to this. So people don't, I, I used to hold on to a handkerchief while I was preached all the time because it was the way that I kept my, the sweat off my hands. And it was, people never realized that that was what was going on. I was nervous. I was nervous. Like the, when we went to Canada and they asked me to speak at the conference for about, you know, 20 minutes, I, I, almost, I felt like I was going to puke. And my wife's like, why are you, you preach all the time? I'm like, you don't understand. These are Canadians. <laughs> Nervous enough preaching to Yankees. <laughs> These are Canadians. They're from way up north. There are so many people that you and I can't afford to let our gift not be used because of fear in our life. Like God has called us for, He's the giver. So many of you, so many of you are about to give. You're about to witness. You're about to pray. But fear sets in. Fear says you're not good enough. Hello, church. I'm preaching to somebody. Fear says you're not qualified. Fear says somebody else can do it better. Fear says just pray for them later. Don't get involved. First Timothy says this. It says, I am, I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded. Are you with me? He now lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now we love, we love quoting verse 7, which says, For the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. We love that verse. For the Spirit of God does not give us fear, but it gives us power, love, and a sound mind. That's what. This, but we've got to read it in context. When you read this whole thing in context, what you understand is God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Listen, we always pour that out. I'm like, woohoo, yes, I'm there. But it's written in context. What Paul is saying is don't be afraid to use your gift. Why? Because then you allow the giver of the gift to be revealed. afraid church it's christmas time this is the most most amazing time to look to be givers and to talk about jesus it's an imperative for you and i to take action to give it away a gift is useless unless given come on how many of you done that i want to see your hands on this one now how many of you have ever bought a christmas gift early stuck it in a closet so they wouldn't find it, and then you forgot about it, and then after Christmas, you were in your closet one day, and you went, oh, my goodness, I forgot. (laughs) Hello, somebody. You're like, whoops. Now you're Christmas shopping in January, right? You're like, I got a Christmas gift for next year now. Like a squirrel with a nut. We never remember where we put it. It's useless unless it's given, isn't it? Realize this, God's gift that he's placed within you is the answer to someone's need, someone's problem, someone's hurt, someone's wound. It's the answer. I don't need a plumber unless my pipes ain't flowing. When my pipes ain't flowing, how many of you know a plumber's pretty useful? Are you with me? In Michigan, you got basements. How many of you had your basement back up from the sewer? How many of you know a plumber's pretty useful at that moment? But when the pipes are flowing, you got no use for him. Don't need a plumber. I mean, like everything, you're going to call the plumber tomorrow and you're going to say, hey, I need you to come to my house. And look, he's going to say, what's the problem? I don't got one. You don't got a problem? No, but I just need a plumber. That's not what we're going to do. A plumber's an answer to a problem, isn't he? Uh, listen, when a doctor is an answer to a problem, right? I went to the doctor last week or a week before last, and I sat down and I, and I told him, I said, I'm really sick of seeing you this year. I don't want to see you no more this year. I'm tired of this. A doctor is an answer to a problem. I'm going to sit down on his desk and he'll say, what's the problem? I don't got one. 
I just was bored. Thought I'd come to the doctor. You got a hypodermic needle? How about suck some life-giving blood out of my body? I'm okay with that. A doctor is an answer to a problem. A teacher is an answer to a problem. Are you with me, church? We need someone to educate us, to teach us, and to help us. Listen to me. Your gifting, I'm going to help somebody right now. Your gifting that God has placed on the inside of you is to help, to bless, and to assist other people. First Peter says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever and ever. Too many people hold their gift. They hold their gift. And here's what it's saying. Here's what it's saying, church. Whatever you do, Here's what the scripture is saying. Whatever you do, do it with the ability of God. We're going to plant churches? Are we or aren't we? And we're going to do it with the ability of God. We're going to send out missionaries? Then we're going to do it with the ability of God. Are we going to see the lost saved? Are we going to see the sick healed? Are we going to see the lame walk? Are we going to see the kingdom? Y'all ain't helping me. The kingdom of God built. Then we're going to do it with the ability of God. That's what we're going to do. Take the gift that God has given us. Put God's power and grace with it. God's favor on it. And let God do exceptional things with it. Glory to God. Your gift will multiply once you plant it. What happened here in our scripture? They took a risk. It wasn't like they'd done this before. Other than the times that God had sent them out. But it it wasn't like this was an everyday practice. It was just very natural for them. Look, they took a risk. Everybody's watching. Everybody knows Jerry. Peter and John stop. Everybody knows Peter and John too. Hello, somebody. Well, there they go again. I wonder what's going to happen now. I bet Peter, and the Bible doesn't say it, but in my mind, this is the way that it looks, the environment, the scene looks. I bet Peter and John weren't the only people who stopped to watch what was happening. Can you see a crowd stopping? Whoa, that's Jerry. He's always been lame. What, what are those guys doing? Like those guys, they're a little different. What are they doing? How come they're messing with Jerry? I hope they're not picking on Jerry. I feel bad for Jerry. Come on. Like if they go over there and start picking on Jerry, we're going to have to pray for them around the head and neck area. Don't pick on Jerry. Don't give Jerry false hope. Jerry's been lame all his life. He's never walked. He's always had to beg. Don't give Jerry false hope. Peter, John, knock it off because... If he doesn't get healed, and he doesn't get money, hello, somebody. Now, they took a risk. What would happen, church, if we put our faith in action? Can you see Peter and John? Can you see them? We saw Jesus heal people. We were involved while Jesus was with us in casting out demons and healing the sick. Dude, we, we can, can you see him? This is modern English, Pastor Don's kind of style. Can you see Peter looking at John and going, dude, dude, we raised the dead before. Yes, we did. And John's saying, wait, wait, let's go. Let's go for it. You want to go? And I can see Peter said, let's go. And they walked over to Jerry. And they said, rise and walk. They gave him a gift, and it was multiplied, church. Acts chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Listen to me. Listen to me. It says, they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. They threw him in jail. 
what you want in life, whatever it is, you got to give it away. They planted their gift. The kingdom of heaven expanded by two or 3,000 people through an ordinary, uneducated man. I said the kingdom of God was expanded instantly through ordinary, uneducated men because they planted their gift. Whatever you want in this life, you have to give it away. If you want respect, you better give it away. See, the world says hold on to it tight. Don't share it. Don't give it away. Don't help. Don't bless. If you want people that will serve, listen, if we want to change the world, then we've got to be world changers. Got to be the biggest servants of all. How about this? Don't be shocked. Don't be shocked when everyone doesn't like or accept your gift. Peter and John are celebrating. Look, miracles. Jesus is the way. Listen, they're having revival. And then the guards show up and throw them in jail. I'm going to be blunt here. If I were them, I probably would not have responded so well. Hello, somebody. I don't understand. I was just doing what Jesus told me to do. How did I get here? I was just doing what Jesus told me to do. How did I get in jail? Come on, church. I'm not talking about the county jail across the street. I'm talking about jail, like dungeon, cold, rats, like no bathroom. Hello, somebody. Some of the youth group, when we were in Nicaragua, we got to go through the prison, right? And we got to see the prison that's built inside that mountain and how people were thrown into the dungeon. I mean, this was bad, right? Bats are bad enough, right, Breno? Like, Breno's this big guy, right? And this little bitty bats flying around. I thought, I thought Breno was, he squealed like a little schoolgirl there a couple times. Then. <laughs> I learned real quick, Breno don't do bats. Oh my, Breno, it's not going to hit you, man. It's, it's just going to fly around. It's not going to hit you. And Breno's like, yeah, but I'm going to hit it, man. I'm telling you. No, there were no toilets in this prison. And there's stains on the walls from the windows up above where the guards used to urinate and defecate on the prisoners. You remember that, guys? I'm talking about prison. They were in jail for doing what Jesus told them to do. How many of you are ready to be obedient? It's not your fault, Peter. No, it's not your fault, John. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't have handled that so well. Not everyone's going to like or value or accept your gift. But know this, the acceptance or the affirmation or the rejection of your gift doesn't validate it or qualify it. I read this once, and I think it applies. You got to write it down in a row. 25, 25, 25, and 25. 25% of people won't like you. Never will. Never going to. 25% of people won't like you, but could be persuaded to like you. 25% of people will like you, but could be persuaded not to like you. 25% of people will like you and stand by you no matter what. You can't please everybody. Ride the donkey, carry the donkey. You can't please everybody. God gave you a gift. Christmas time is about planting that gift into a lost and dying world. His name is Jesus. And watching God multiply it. We have an imperative church. Because of Christmas. The priest and the captain in Acts chapter 4 verses 1 through 4. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and of the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. 
They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Will you stand to your feet in this place? Brent, will you come to the piano? We have an imperative. What is an imperative? I'm glad you asked one last time. It's something of vital importance. It's crucial. Would you say that Jesus is important, church? Would you say that Jesus is crucial? Would you say that Jesus is critical? Would you say that Jesus is urgent? Somebody help me. Would you say that he's essential? Would you say that Jesus is necessary? We have an imperative. We've been given a gift. His name is Jesus. And it's time for this church to take that imperative and give it away. And so I'm going to invite all of those who have committed to go to Kalamazoo to the stage right now. I'm going to invite you to come. I want you to stand right up here. It's time to put our faith where our calling is. Hello, church. Somebody say amen. It's imperative that FFM gives. It's imperative that FFM gives. We've been given a gift. And his name is Jesus. And it's imperative that we give him away. And so people ask me all the time, why do we plant churches? Why do we plant churches? And what will become of our congregation if we send all these people to Kalamazoo? Look, there still ain't no room for y'all to sit. And they're all on stage. We have an imperative to give Jesus away. And these people have accepted a calling. And it's scary. Hello, church. This is so scary. Because what will happen? What if we don't make it? What if God is not with us? But this morning we've learned that God is with us, church. That He is with us. And that He is not a rescinder of His gift. Like He's not taking Jesus away from us. He's not taking Himself away from His church. There's a warranty. You know what the warranty is? It's called the resurrection. And these adults and these children, have they've accepted a call from the eldership of this church and a higher calling from God to go. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm as scared as they are. I can only imagine... Peter and John that day as Peter reached down to grab Jerry he had to be terrified what if Jerry don't get up but he couldn't focus on that he had to focus on what he had to give and I want to be honest with you church I know us as a church we don't have a ton of money to give but such as we do let us give and it's Christmas time and we're giving a gift to Kalamazoo we're giving faithful people faithful people we're giving your friends we're giving your family if you've ever prayed for them before you better pray for them now if you've ever believed in giving financially you better give now because we have an imperative and I believe God's going to honor our imperative amen I believe he's going to honor it as we give these people away to give Jesus away and so I'm going to invite the eldership team and the elders wives up front as we face this great people of faith. And we want you to stretch your hands this morning towards these who made a commitment. I never thought I'd see this day. What we see this morning, church, is prophecy come to pass. Amen? All these years, God has spoken over us time and time again that we would sin, that we would 
Send out and plant churches. And this morning, we have the opportunity to see this in action. I hope you don't take it for granted. It's an amazing gift. And so we're going to commission them this morning. In the power of God. All Christians. All Christians are called of God to live. Witness and minister for His glory. We should serve God. In God's house according to our giftings. Romans chapter 12 verses 6 and 8. The Bible says that having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Prophecy, let us prophesy in the portion of our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberty. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Today, we want to We want to commission FFM to Kalamazoo. And we believe that there are people in Kalamazoo who are going to come and they're going to tap into something real. Amen. These people standing on this stage before you as their church, they're believing in your faithfulness. They've made the commitment to go. We have to make the commitment to support. They have a heart for the kingdom of God just like we have a heart for the kingdom of God. And they've submitted to the call of God and to the leadership of this church. And so this morning we're going to make some charges to you as an eldership team. And I'm going to ask you to answer. In unison if you can. And the charge is this from the eldership team and from this congregation. Because God has called you to salvation. And to Christian living, will you consecrate yourself to Him? Say we will. Because God has commanded you to witness to the gospel of the saving grace, will you consecrate your lips to Him? Because God has commanded you to teach the unsearchable riches of His word, will you consecrate your mind to Him? Because God has commanded you to teach the unsearchable riches of His word, And because he has called you to minister to his people, wherever you may find them in need, will you consecrate your hands and your body to his service? Because you'll need understanding. Will you seek the direction of the Holy Spirit? Because the work you face at times will be unpleasant, and I will testify to you of that this morning, it will be difficult. Will you promise to be consistent in your work to the Father? Because of the opportunity to challenge and mold the lives of others. Do you promise to reflect the character of Christ? And the great vision of this church. In your life and in your service in Kalamazoo. Because we live in a world of sin and selfishness. Do you promise always to keep your heart pure? In the kingdom of God. You will? Will you say we will? I'm going to read a scripture over you. Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. You're going to have to love each other. Not only you got to love the people in Kalamazoo, but you're going to have to love each other. If you don't love each other, hello church going to have to love each other eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all but grace was given to each one according to the measure of christ's gift therefore it says when he ascended on high he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fulfill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God 
to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children. We're going to pray. And I want you to raise your hands to the Lord. I want you to stretch your hands towards these people. And we're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand before you a church that you have given gifts. And this morning, in the spirit of Christmas, we give them away, God. We give them to a lost and dying world for your cause, God. And as elders, God, and as a church, we pray over them this morning, God, that in the sending, God, you would, you would keep them, God. That in the sending, God, you would protect them, Lord. God, that in their going, you would give them favor, God. Lord, that you would open doors that no man can close, and you would close doors that no man can open, that the path before them would be sure, God. And that God, in giving them your favor, God, you would send to them, God, from the north, the south, the east, and the west, all people who need you, Jesus. Send them to them, God. Let them be a reaper for you, God. Let them be a harvest basket for you, God. And just at this moment, as I pray this prayer over you, I see a combine and a great field that's ready for harvest. And I see you as a combine reaping a harvest for the name of Jesus. God, we bless them. We pray for your resources, God. We pray for your provision, God. We pray for your anointing, God. We pray that, God, most of all, you would use them for your glory and your honor. Let them never lose sight of this morning. Let them look back every week when they meet in Kalamazoo to this morning for this purpose, God. Let them never forget the calling of the Lord to win the lost. God, and I pray that you would make them much more than what the home church has ever been. Bless them far beyond, God. Measure. Bless them far beyond our imagination, God. Raise up a hedge of angels around them and protect them, God. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, the last scripture that I will give you is Colossians 4.17. It was a scripture that was given to me on the morning that I was ordained to preach by Art Good. I've kept it with me all my life to this day, wondering who I would give it to. Now I know. Just as Art gave me this scripture... I give it to you. Colossians 4.17 Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfill it. We bless you and we love you. And we believe in you. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Now... I want you to stretch your hands towards these people. Raise your hands to the Lord as I pray over you. God, you see each and every one of us here this morning. All of these people gathered in this room today, God. From the four corners of the earth in little old Centerville. They're a bright shining star in your universe, Lord. Every one of them is unique. Every one of them with talents and gifts and abilities that you have placed inside of them, Lord. God, and I thank you that you never recall them. You never rescind your gifts. You've given it to them. Now, Lord, help each and every one of us to take what you've given us and to use that gift to bless the world around us. Help us to take our lives and plant it into this community, to plant it into this city, to plant it into our families, to plant it into our place of employment, to give our gifts wholeheartedly as you gave to us. Help us to not be grudging God help us to not give out of necessity but to give 100 and 200 percent help us to be those that go the extra mile help us to be those God that do more than the least that's expected but help us to be those who blow everyone away and, and go beyond what's anticipated or expected Lord there are those of us here this morning that have been intimidated by fear you've not given us a spirit of fear 
You've given us love and power and a sound mind. So, Lord, help us to be people who are bold and to pray for boldness in your name, to communicate and share the gift of Jesus Christ, not only at Christmas, but in all of our lives. God, we pray it over our plant. We pray it over our church. We pray it right now in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Turn around and tell somebody you have a gift in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Merry Christmas.